0: Israel, the Middle East conflict, what's really going on? I was like many pastors, Christians, and most of you when it comes to the nation of Israel. I knew the scriptures. I knew that I was to pray for Israel and bless her. And in my own way, I did both. But in July of 2029, something very powerful happened in my life. I was encouraged by a dear friend of mine, Pastor Scott Thomas, the free life chapel down in Lakeland, Florida, who was the state director at that time of Christians United for Israel. And he said, Dan, I really want you to go to Washington, D.C. with me in July. And he said, "Uh, there's a thing called the Night to Honor Israel, and I want to scholarship you to that week event. And I went, and it was life-changing. It totally transformed my life. I went to the various classes talking about Israel, where she started as a nation, what she had been through, what she's facing today. I guess the best word I could use was overwhelmed. I was totally overwhelmed at not only how much this nation, this people, God's chosen people has and is presently going through, but also saddened and convicted that I as a Christian American had not been more involved in doing more to stand with her. What I had not heard about this truth before, why? Raised in a Christian church my entire life, graduated from a Christian university, and yet found myself totally ignorant to the truth concerning Israel, the Jewish people, and the impact they have both made on my Christian faith. Then in 2010, Kathy and I had the amazing honor. We were personally invited by Pastor John Hagee to go on a trip to Israel with him and 11 other pastors and their wives, the first and only time he's ever done that in the history of his ministry. God told him to take 12 pastors to Israel personally and teach the entire trip. And somehow we got in that invitation. That trip to Israel totally transformed Kathy and my life. It totally transformed us in our Christian walk and understanding of who Jesus is and the value of the scriptures that he has given us. So, why do biblical Christians stand with Israel? Number one, the Bible is predominantly Jewish text. So when people say, well, what's the big deal about Israel? Why why stand with Israel? Why is this so important to us as Christians that that we stand with Israel? Number one, that Bible that we teach out of and we base our Christian encounter and experience with was predominantly written by the Jewish people. Every author in the Bible was Jewish except one, and that was Luke, who gave us the book of St. Luke and part of the book of Acts. Every other writer was Jewish. Secondly, Christian uh, covenants were established in Judaism. The covenant of salvation was revealed with Abraham in Genesis 15. The covenant of sanctification was revealed with Moses in Exodus 19, 5-8, and Deuteronomy 28. Jesus even stated in John 4, 21, salvation is of the Jews. And if it was not for the Jews, you and I would not be saved here tonight. We owe the Jews our salvation. Why do we stand with Israel? The fathers of our faith were Jewish, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the list goes on and on. When we go back to our Christian genealogy and we go back to where this thing started, there's a bloodline, and every one of us tonight are connected in a bloodline of the Jews if you're a Christian. The land of our faith is Israel. Why fight for Israel? Why stand with Israel? Israel is known as the land of the Bible, the birthplace and homeland of Jesus, the Judea Christian faith, is established in this piece of land called Israel. Christians have been given the opportunity now to share in the spiritual heritage of the Jews that, that covenant promise that God made with the Jewish people. But we're not Jews, we're Gentiles. But how many is thankful that the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ came to us all. And in Romans 11:17, as Gentiles, you were branches of a wild tree, having been grafted in. So now you also receive blessing that God has promised Abraham and his children. Come on, somebody. Look, Abraham, that covenant blessing that God spoke over Abraham that I will bless your seed and their seed. It'll your, your your generations are gonna outnumber the stars of the heavens that I'm going to bless you and you're going in and you're coming out, you're rising up, you're lying down, you're blessed of the Lord. He told Abraham, and now we've been grafted into that lineage of God that now every promise that was given to the Jews is now given to us as Gentiles that have been grafted into the faith through the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ. Come on, can we praise him just for that? But if it had not been for the covenant with the Jews first, You and I would not have the covenant that we have with God today. So why does Iran, Iraq, and Hamas, and Hezbollah, and the Palestinians, and Islam in its totality hate the Jews? The big question is being asked, why is there such a hatred of all these Islamic nations and the world? Why such a hatred for the Jews and why do they seek their total destruction? Listen, they don't just hate the the Jews, they want to annihilate them. uh, Even the presidents of Iran have publicly stated in their addresses that what would the world look like without Israel? And what would the world, what would the map of the world look like without America? Why do they hate, why do they want the total destruction? You wanna know why? They hate God. They hate God. They love Allah and they hate God. And in their religion, anyone that worships anyone other than Allah is an infidel and they're to be put to death and annihilated. They hate God. And they want to destroy God, but they can't. So what's the next best thing to destroying God if they want to do it? Destroy the carriers of his word destroy the carriers of the Torah. And watch this. Israel was given the word directly from God on Mount Sinai. Israel received the Torah. And America is the number one distribution, the number one presenter, the number one proclaimer around the world of the word of God And so Israel received the Word of God, America distributes the Word of God, and that's why you're hearing these Islamic nations go, death to Israel and death to America, that's their way of trying to kill God, is to destroy the carriers of His Word. But He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, And there's a beginning to this book, and there's an end to this book, and we're going to be here in the end. I can promise you, because we sang the song, he's a God that keeps his promises. Well, I'm not supposed to preach. All right. So what are you saying, Pastor Dan? Our entire Judeo-Christian faith tonight that we're experiencing comes to us through the Jewish people and a little tiny piece of land called Israel. I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah of the Jews as well as the Gentiles. I believe that no man can come to the Father but by Christ and through him in salvation. But let me first say to those that want to say, well, the church shouldn't get political. The church church shouldn't speak out on topics like this tonight. Israel is not a political topic. Israel is a biblical topic, and it's not an option that we speak about her. It is a command from the Word of God that He said, I will bless those that bless her, and I will curse those that curse her. And as the founding pastor of Transformation Church, T.C. is, has been, and always will be a voice for the nation of Israel to exist as a sovereign nation and to defend herself at whatever means she feels necessary. So let's understand Israel for a moment. Understanding what is taking place in Israel today is vital. Everything about our past, present, and future as Christians is wrapped up in this tiny piece of real estate called Israel and the covenant that God made with the Jewish people. In Genesis 15, 18, it says, On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, which became Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. When God spoke and gave the land to Abraham and his descendants, it included all the land between the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Now, if you want to look at the map that they're going to put up behind me, I want you to see something. Can anybody see Israel? See that little brown dot? I mean, really little tiny, sea, Saudi Arabia and go to the left and there's a tan section and a little tiny brown piece of land there the size of New Jersey. That's Israel now. But when God gave the land to Israel, he didn't give her that little piece of land. He gave her what you see on that map and what we know today as Lebanon, the West Bank, Syria, Iraq, and Sinai. The Jewish nation was born over 3,000 years ago when God Almighty made a covenant with Abraham. God gave the Jewish people a homeland. It was her land in the beginning, and it's still her land today. Everybody look at me. Israel is not an occupier of any land in the Middle East. She is the owner. The land was titled and deeded to her by God Almighty himself, he gave her the land, and it's her land forever and eternity, and nobody has a right to tell her what she can do and how she defends her land. Through the Holocaust wars and mainly the constant concession of land as a means of trying to make peace, the Jewish people have surrendered the majority of the land that God gave them to the, as their inheritance She only has that tiny piece the size of New Jersey now. Why? The Holocaust happened and wars took place. But the vast majority of her land has been lost in peace agreements with the Palestinians and the Iranians and and the Islamic nations around her that seek her destruction. And she has always sought peace. And in her peace agreements, she gave up more land, more land, more land, more land, only to have more rockets fired into her and peace agreements broken. And so now she sits in this tiny little piece of land called Israel. Look at Israel's history. To understand the issues facing Israel and the constant argument of her having the right to defend herself and to progress and build on her own land, we must look at history. You've got to have something to look at if you're going to come to a debate. As stated earlier, Israel was given to the Jews by God himself over 3,000 years ago. In 1923, the British who at that time owned all the Palestine, which we know today as Israel and Jordan, divided Palestine into two administrative districts. The Jews would be permitted on the west of the Jordan River, and the other 80% would be to form an Arab-Palestinian nation called Transjordan. Transjordan was eventually renamed Jordan in 1946. So here was the agreement that the British made, and they're going to put a picture up. And so when you see this picture, if you look to the left, you can see you can see the little river the line going down between Jordan and Israel do you see that? Well that was the separation. So all of Jordan, 80% of the land was offered to the Palestinians and the little 20% over here was offered to Israel if they would just get along as neighbors. And so the British made that offer to them and at that moment they both seemed to accept it and say okay. But because there was always this Co-mingling between the Arab Palestinians and the Jews there was this ever-ending murderous attack on the Jewish people by the Palestinian people these attacks are what caused the Jews to develop what we know today as the Israel Defense Force the IDF to combat the Arab Palestinians that was coming across and murdering the Jews at that time so in 19 so at that point The IDF rose up and they were there to to stop this war, these fights, these murders taking place. And then when it got so chaotic and crazy, they washed their hands of it and said, we're done with all of this nonsense. And they handed it over to the United Nations, which is never a good idea if you believe in God at all. So in 1947, the United Nations created what's called the Resolution 181, which was to officially divide the 20% west of the Jordan River into a Jewish state, and the 80% east of the Jordan River into an Arab-Palestinian state. This would give both sides their own independence. They would recognize both as a sovereign state, and the Jews accepted it. Listen to this. The Jews accepted it, but the Palestinians rejected it. The Arabs wanted all of the land, east and west, of the river. They wanted the total destruction of all Jews. Their interest was not in the land. It was in killing and annihilating every Jew. And that has not changed today. One year later, on May the 14th, 1948, the Jews declared their own state of Israel. At that point, they said, we're not looking for anybody else to recognize us. We recognize ourselves. On May the 14th, 1948, the Jews declared their own state of Israel, and there was a rebirth, not a birth, as some want to say, but a rebirth of Israel as a nation. It was prophesied by Isaiah 66, in chapter 66, verse 8, where he said that Israel would be reborn in one day, and prophecy was fulfilled on May the 14th, 1948. And on that day, Israel officially became a sovereign nation, no longer a settlement. On the very next day, seven neighboring Arab armies, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Yemen invaded Israel. So Israel declared her independence. She became a sovereign nation. And the very next day, seven Islamic nations turned against her and invaded her to destroy her again and wipe her off the map. But here's what happened, and here's what you've got to understand. And listen, everything I'm saying tonight, I can support with fact. I've got the info. I've got the proof, okay? This is not opinion. So seven armies attacked. But before they attacked, the Arab nations warned and encouraged the Arab Palestinians that were living in Israel because, remember, Israel is just like America. It's freedom. You can. You got Republican, Democrat. You got different. So the Arabs were allowed to stay. They were democracy. The Arabs were allowed to stay in Israel. They didn't have to leave. The ones that wanted peace were allowed to stay. And a large percentage of the of the population in Israel today are Muslims, and they're in parliament. They're attorneys, they're doctors, they're living right there. They go to the same schools. They, they make the law. They hate the Jews, but yet they're in the parliament making the laws. Anybody in your D.C. that you don't like? Same way there. So they had the same freedom to live there. So all of a sudden they get this warning from the Arab nations that's about to attack saying, you better get out of Israel or you're going to die with the Jews. And three to 400,000 of them did. And when they left, the Jews were then accused of throwing the non-Jews out of their own country. The media got that and said, well, the Jews kicked them out and no, all. They fled at the warning of the Arab nations, saying you're going to die with the Jews if you don't leave. When they left, the Jews were accused of throwing them out. This war lasted 19 months. The 30% of Arabs who did not leave became today's Israeli Arab citizens that hold citizenship in Israel, as I said, many holding political powers inside of Israel today. But the 70%, and here's the key, the 70% who fled were never accepted by the Arab nations that told them to leave. And they became the first of what we know today as Arab refugees. These are the same people that are referred to today as Palestinians because there's no such thing as a Palestinian. They're Arab refugees. A Palestinian has no culture, no background, no heritage, no history, no president, no land, no biography, there's nothing about a Palestinian that you can follow, there's no such thing as a Palestinian, they're Arab refugees that left Israel at the request of the Islamic nations warning them, and when they fled Israel, then the Islamic nations would not receive them, and now they have no land to call home, so they began to live as refugees. They're not refugees because of Israel. They're refugees because their own people, the Arab nations, refused to accept them after the war. This is very important because these are the same people that are consistently demanding the right to occupy land in Israel, stating that Israel's the occupier when it's not true. Israel is the owner land given by God himself, and it is the, quote, Palestinians that are occupying the land that they now stand on in places called Israel. So let's look at this for a minute. As always, the anti-Semitic propagandist never mentions the fact that the Arab armies declared war on Israel only one day after she became a sovereign nation. They declare that Israel expelled 800,000 people, causing them to become refugees without a homeland. The truth is the Arabs encouraged them to leave before attacking Israel and then refused to accept them when they did. The fact is the war in the Middle East has never been between Jews and the Palestinians. The war has always been a war between Arabs and the Jews. This image of Jews against Palestinians is a marketing tool by radical Islamic terrorists and an anti-Semitic news media to make the Jews appear to be the occupier of the land, that God of the land that does not belong to them when in reality they're simply living in the land that God gave them over 3,000 years ago. These radical Islamic regimes have never had an interest in Palestinians, in creating a Palestinian state, or in a Palestinian nation. Why? True Palestinians do not exist. So let's look at a map of the Middle East. Let's go back to it. If we look at it, take a close look at the map of modern day Israel, we find 22 Arab or Muslim nations completely engulf and surround Israel. The Arab countries occupy 640 times the landmass as Israel and outnumber the Jews of Israel by nearly 50 to 1. Knowing this, the Arab and Muslim extremists have declared that expansionist Israel is taking over the Middle East. Israel has for generations been told by some anti-Semitics on Capitol Hill that you need to learn how to get along with your neighbors. Oh, you mean the ones firing those rockets? Okay. Over time, this accusation has continued to grow and develop. However, nothing could be farther from the truth. Israel has a proven track record of seeking peace. She has conceded a vast amount of her land as means of trying to obtain peace. In 1947 and 1967, she conceded land in a peace agreement to only have it broken and attacks resume upon her people. In the 1900s, twice Israel conceded land in the West Bank, only to have it used to fire more rockets into her occupied territory. In 2000, Israel conceded land in South Lebanon. And then again in 2005, where Israel conceded land in Gaza, both as the means to peace and to save lives but once again to find that no peace came from it only more rockets and bombs from the radical Islamic terrorist groups of Hamas and Hezbollah where innocent lives were taken through unspeakable acts of murder in 2008 hundreds of rockets were fired from Gaza into civilian territory by Palestinians starting a three-week war in 2023, as we all know right now, Hamas invades Israel, murdering over 1,400 Israelis in their worst attacks since the Holocaust. And here's the fact, folks. The media wants to portray Gaza, Hamas, Palestinians. And I'm not anti-Palestinians, and we're using that term so we identify who we're talking about today. Human lives are human lives, and they're sacred in the eyes of God, every life. But you cannot separate the Palestinians and Hamas. Hamas is the Palestinians, and the Palestinians are Hamas. You can't separate the two. The Palestinians are not captive by Hamas. In 2005, Israel conceded Gaza over to the Arab Palestinians in a peace agreement. Israel literally forced Jewish families to leave their established homes, their farms, and communities, and give up their land and come back to Israel to start over again so that the Palestinians would have a place to live under their own rule and government. And so once the Palestinians had Gaza, in 1964, at an Arab summit meeting, the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, was organized to bring all the scattered Arab refugees together under one organization. So now, the, the, these Arab refugees now have some organization. The PLO's coming in, and they're coming in like a, a governing body, and so they're kind of putting things together and organizing the people to start settlements and start living as refugees. But in 2006, The Fatah, which is the largest faction of the PLO, became the ruling party in Gaza. Structure and organization took place among the people. At this time, Palestinians began to commit suicide bombings under the PLO. And if you were in my age bracket, you remember that, where they would go in with backpacks and bombs and blow up buses and walk into restaurants and blow up restaurants. Anybody remember all that on the news? That wasn't Hamas. That was the Palestinians. And I'm not anti-Palestinians, but I'm trying to destroy the lies that are taking place in our media today and let you see the truth. So Fatah took over. But then something happened in 2006. So in 2005, Israel gives Gaza to the Palestinians. In 2006, Fatah takes over and they organize and start settlements. In 2007, Hamas comes in, and now the Palestinians, through the PLO, they hold their first vote ever in a structured, law-abiding vote in their settlement, and the Palestinians unanimously voted Hamas in as their governing body. Hamas is not there against the will of the Palestinians. They were voted in by the Palestinians in a corporate legal vote. And the Palestinians have served them and worked with them. What happened when they were voted in, it's all on video. Hamas went and took the PLO leaders, the ones that organized it all, and threw them off rooftops, tied ropes around their ankles, and drug them through the streets until they died while the Palestinians were cheering. It's all on video. What they did in Israel, they did to their own people. Hamas is the Palestinians. The Palestinians are Hamas. You cannot separate the two. The Palestinians are not held captive by Hamas. They are Hamas. They all seek the death of every Jew. In Gaza, Hamas controls the ministry of health, the ministry of education, and every aspect of Gaza by the vote of the people. Hamas' headquarters was based. Remember, was. You get was? Hamas's headquarters was based in a hospital that doesn't exist any longer, But their headquarters was in a hospital where people are. Their rockets are stored in daycares, in nurseries, in hospitals. Their missiles, their weapons, the rockets that fired their missiles into Israel came out of residential windows and hospital windows and daycare windows because they used the Palestinian people as human shields. And then when Israel fires back in self-defense, the Palestinians and the Arab nations like Iran start screaming that innocent men, women, and children are being killed when, in fact, they are being used as human shields by Hamas. Most always, Israel is demanded ceasefire. You notice on the news, one day, after over 100 babies had their heads cut off, after babies were burned to death in front of their parents, I've been on phone calls that you can't get on. After mom and dad had their hands tied behind their back and their children had their hands tied behind the back and then each side had to watch each other side have their bodies dismembered before they were all shot in the back of the head. All of that, kidnaps, their daughters raped. And I can tell you stories that I won't. And then the next day, we got voices coming out of Washington, D.C. say ceasefire. There ain't no ceasefire. There shouldn't be one because Israel's a sovereign nation. Let me ask you a question. If Russia attacked America today and they did that to our families, you think we're going to ceasefire? Why is Israel only, the only nation in the world, is ever told she has no right to defend her own land? and her own people. Israel must remove Hamas completely. And the reason is this. If they don't remove them, they're coming back. And they've let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. And now when you kill 1,400 of their people like you killed them in this slaughter, they're not going to let it go. They know that Hamas must completely be destroyed. There is no peace agreement now. Israel, and I'll get to it, there's over 300 miles of tunnels under Gaza that Hamas and the Palestinians have dug, over 300 miles. Here's a picture of some of them, have dug. And they dug them underground so that they could come and sneak and surprisingly attack, over 300 miles. Those were dug by Palestinians, not Hamas members. Over years, for one reason, to destroy the Jews and remove them from the face of the Earth. Iran is the number one supporter and promoter and financier, financer of radical Islamic terrorism. Every dollar we give to Iran under humanitarian basis is not going to humanitarian. It goes to buy concrete so that the Palestinian people can build homes. They don't get it. It doesn't build homes. it builds tunnels. The fact is, Israel does more to protect innocent Palestinians than Hamas does. Hamas uses them as shields. The Israeli Defense Force is the most humanitarian military in the world. Here's what British Forces Colonial Richard Kemp and the British Army conducted an extinct study, studying every army in the world. They studied every army in the world regarding the measure taken to avoid innocent casualties during wartime. Here's the results. On October the 16th, 2009, Colonel Kemp reported their shocking findings to the United Nations Human Rights Commission. The Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, does more to safeguard the rights of civilians in combat zones than any other army in the history of warfare. And here's what they do. And, and Kathy and I were on vacation. I've been a state director for United Christians United for Israel. And we were on vacation in Branston a few years ago when Hamas and, and the Palestinians raged war on Israel again and rockets began to fire out of Gaza into southern Israel. We were on our way back from vacation and I got a phone call from one of our friends in Christianity Israel and he said, you ready to go to Israel? I said, when? He said, 7.30 in the morning. We were 10 hours away. And I said, where are we flying out of? He said, New York. Get in the airport in Pensacola. Get on the first flight. I said, I'll see you in New York in the morning. And the rockets were still flying. They, uh, we were meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu to let him know America is with you, America is with you. And we left John F. Kennedy Airport while the rockets were flying out of Gaza into Israel. And while we were in the air, a ceasefire was called. And we landed under a ceasefire. We were there for three days, met with Prime Minister Netanyahu and the cabinet, showed our support, the American support and Christian support for United Israel. And while we were in the airport getting ready to fly out, the ceasefire was broken and the rocket started flying again. And thankfully, we got on the plane and got out of there. But while we were there, we learned so much about how the IDF operates. Before the IDF bombs any residential building, any building where there is civilians in it, they do multiple things. Number one is they call every person that lives in that building by phone. They text every person in that building. They drop leaflets saying on such and such time a bomb is coming. And then they drop a a dummy bomb on top of that building that doesn't explode it, but it makes a loud noise that says the next one is the real one and it's coming. They do all of that before they drop a bomb on a building that has civilians in it. Tell me another army that does that. And yet they're blamed. And are civilians dying? Yes. Do we celebrate that? Absolutely not. But when you're part of a people that attacks a people and they retaliate, people are going to die. They died on the side that started, that started in the land of Israel, and now they're dying in Gaza, and nobody wants to see anybody die. But don't judge a nation who is simply defending itself against a people that wants to annihilate it from off the earth. Israel employs 150,000 Palestinians out of Gaza. Did you know that? The people that hate them. In the last three the years, they've allowed Palestinians to start crossing the line and coming into Israel and working, and they've given over $2 billion into the economy of Gaza through salaries to 150,000 Palestinians. If you were trying to wipe them off of the face of the earth in Gaza, do you think you would be bringing them over and giving them jobs and putting $2 billion into the economy of their land? They're seeking peace with them, not to destroy them. If genocide of the Palestinians was a goal of Israel, Israel would have already carp bombed Israel uh, Gaza. If that was their desire, they would have already wiped Gaza off the face of the earth but they haven't because they want to see the civilian lives saved. They gave a 24-hour warning to every person in Gaza City, you've got to get out because the bombs are coming. 24 hours, they gave notice, get out of Gaza City. Not all of Gaza, get out of Gaza City because that's where Hamas has all of her warfare stacked and stored and we're coming to get rid of it. Gave a total warning. Hamas is the militant group that carried out the attack that they were in support of. They all hate the Jews. Do you know that Palestinians raise their children to hate and teach them? In in summer camps, they teach them how to behead and kill Jews. Children. Our children watch cartoons. It's all new. You can watch it on YouTube. Just look it up. The Palestinians, you know what they do? Their children watch television too. And they have programs where other children are doing it. And they're teaching the children in the living room how to hang Jews, how to kill Jews, how to murder Jews. This is how. And so when we come, and I I love, I don't want to see anybody die. I don't want anybody to walk out here and say, man, he's got a cold heart. I don't. No one should die. No one should have to suffer. But we can't judge a nation that's simply defending its people against those that continue to seek its total annihilation. Are you all with me tonight? Negative lies and false propaganda is the only way Hamas and radical Islam can compete with Israel. They know they cannot beat Israel in a warfare. They know that. They know that. Israel knows that too. I'm going to tell you something. When I went to Israel my third time, we, we went to the dome, the dome that shoots out and knocks out the rockets out of the sky. I was, I was from here to you to, from that dome. Amazing. And you know who was guarding it? Two 17-year-old female Israeli soldiers. And so there was us 12 pastors, we're passing, hey, and we're talking to him, and, and so this was my first trip, I'm sorry, we were talking to them, and one of the pastors asked, they said, well, what happens if the Iron Dome misses a rocket and it gets through? Without batting an eye, that little 17-year-old soldier with that AK-47 wrapped her over her shoulder, she turned and looked at him, and she said, sir... Before we had the Iron Dome, we had the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's covered us, friend. He's covering us now, and he's going to keep covering our people. We're fine, sir. We were okay before that dome got here. We're okay if it misses a missile. Didn't bat an eye. I think we're in America wondering how we're going to make it one week to another. United Nations, they, they know they've got to use negative propaganda. That's why you see all this stuff on the news about Israel. Israel's this, Israel that. Israel's murdering. Israel's killing. Israel's this. People are dying. But they have to remove Hamas. Now Hamas is going, we would like to request a ceasefire. I bet you do. It's the same pattern. that hasn't changed, and Israel knows it. and They know it's going to come back. They've got hostages, and so now we want to swab. We want to do it's all for negative media because that's the only way that radical Islam can fight Israel is through a negative media and negative propaganda. Don't go for the lie. Is Israel perfect? Absolutely not. Does she make mistakes? You betcha. Has she done wrong in warfare? Has she made mistakes and killed innocent people? Every army has in warfare. But there's no army and no group of people in the nation of this earth that has sought peace more and done more and given more and sacrificed more for peace than the Israeli people and the Jewish people in Israel. No one. The United Nations General Assembly passes double-figure resolutions against Israel every year condemning her. Or for defending herself against those desiring to destroy her. So every year the United Nations comes and they put all this stuff up where she's, she's going too far and protecting her land. She's not giving enough humanitarian aid. Or, or she should have done a ceasefire. How many resolutions you think have been placed against the Palestinians that are firing rockets out of Gaza and Hezbollah is coming out of the north shooting their rockets? How many resolutions do you think the UN has placed against them? Zero none. You know why? Because they're all haters of God, which means they have to be haters of the Jews. And you know what? If they're haters of the Jews, they're haters of you because you're a follower of God. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I got to hurry. I don't? Who said that? Okay, we're good. Thank you. We got another hour now. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Are y'all with me? I, I don't want, I, I, if I sound angry, I am. I am. Because the only one that supposedly wins in this is the devil. But he's not winning. He's not winning. Because it's all in the book. And by the way, I'm going to do a small group next semester. We're going to talk about Israel and the end times. What's about to happen? And we're going to take you step by step through it. And I hope it's a small group of about two hundred people in this auditorium. Did I get any volunteers? You'll see that, don't you? I'm going to have the largest small group in the history of TC. I'm going, to Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad, if you're watching, got the you need to start wearing hokas (laughs) all right this is so serious you got to get some laughter in here somewhere all right okay we're running out of time y'all with me Genesis 12:3. now the Lord said to Abram, get out of the country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. There is a divine, eternal blessing that comes upon those that support and bless Israel And there was an eternal curse by God himself to those that curse Israel. And I can take you on a journey, and we'll do that in a small group, all the way through the New Testament and the Old Testament. And I can show you when people blessed Israel, there was supernatural favor of God that came in their lives in different scenarios. And then I can show you the negative. Haman built gallows to destroy and hang the Jews on, but yet when it came to the end, not one Jew was hung on those gallows, but he and all of his sons were. It's in the Bible, read it. It's right there. And I can take you story after story. My family are proof that when you support Israel, there is a divine favor of God that comes upon your life. The same promise that he gave Abraham and Abraham a covet is mine. America for generations has been recognized by the world as the most blessed nation on the earth. They have seen America stand with Israel as our number one ally. American return saw Israel stand with us as our ally when the radical radical Islamic terrorists flew their planes or our twin towers and Pentagon, killing thousands of our citizens While the radical Islamic groups were burning our flag and dancing in their streets, celebrating the death of our citizen, Israel had her flag at half-mast, standing with us as an ally and a friend. Over the past 10 to 15 years, we have oftentimes watched America begin to shift and stand with the allies of radical Islamists rather than with Israel. Today, we see political leaders flying Palestinian flags outside their office door the day that this massive slaughter of over 14 innocent Jews took place, college campuses promoting anti-Israel, pro-Hamas rallies, declaring out loud death to Israel. This is something that should grip and stir the heart of every true American Christian. This is a time that we must set aside race, personalities, political parties, and look at the Word of God for truth and facts that's right before us and make us stand according not to just our luck, but by our faith. Every true biblical Christian should be a voice on behalf of Israel in both words and action. And every true biblical Christian will. Those radical Islamic pilots who flew those planes on suicide missions, they were standing up for their faith. Do you know what they were promised? Because when you become a martyr for Allah, you know what you're promised? You're promised 72 virgin women, 72 wives, and an eternity of happiness. Now, 72 wives and eternal happiness just don't go. I'm still trying to figure that one out. (laughs) <laughs> I love one, but I can promise you I ain't dying for no 72 wives. That's called hell somewhere. <laughs> there ain't, there ain't no eternal happiness in that. Dear Lord Jesus. But they die for that. You better love those virgins before you get to those wives. That's all I can say. better quit let me move on (laughs) but if they're willing to die for their faith what are we willing to do for ours are we willing to put our faith and belief in God's word ahead of our race political party personal agendas or desires are we Isaiah the prophet said speak out for Zion's sake the question is will we you see Israel she's not weak the truth is, she's meek. She's second only to American technology and interventions. She is a nation that is progressing and developing more and more every day, even though Israel, surrounded by 22 Muslim nations that possess 640 times the land mass, has a population outnumbering her 50 to 1. As I said, Iranian presidents have publicly announced what would the world look like without America. They call Israel the little Satan and call us the big Satan. We can't ignore what's going on, but let's look at it for a second. America, Israel, Islam, America has always stood as an ally to Israel. This, again, is one of the reasons our nation has been so greatly blessed. On May 14, 1948, Israel established and reborn as a sovereign nation. On this day, Israel regained her independence Israel is a sovereign nation, and no country, including America, has the right to tell her what she can and cannot do on her soil. No one has the right to condemn her for defending and protecting her citizens from those who seek their destruction. Israel needs America today more than ever. I also want to declare that America needs Israel today more than ever. The day America no longer stands with Israel as an ally is the day that we will see the covenant blessings of God lift off our country and off our land. We've experienced the blessing of Genesis 12.3, but if we turn our back on Israel now and embrace the radical Arab Muslim world that is trying to destroy her and us, we as a nation will experience the curse of Genesis 12.3. I'm going to show you something. On April 19, 2010, it was made public through the media that America at the United Nations where there was a vote taking place on a resolution against Israel for defending herself against rockets that were coming out of Gaza into her people. In America, on that day, our president, for the first time in history, gave a no vote. And for the first time in history, America did not stand with our ally Israel, and we gave a no vote, which was a vote against her. The very next day, on April the 20th, the deep horizon blew up in our Gulf, causing the worst, natu- worst natural disaster in U.S. history. Play with Israel, you play with God. On October the 7th, 2023, Hamas attacked Israel and slaughtered over 1,400 innocent Jews. On that same day, Afghanistan had two major earthquakes. And has had two more following that. And now around 4,000 deaths have taken place from those earthquakes. You mess with Israel, you mess with God. You want to see the Roman Empire? You know, those Romans that sought the destruction of every Jew? Anybody remember the story? You want to go see the Roman Empire? You got to go to a museum. You want to see Jerusalem? Get on a plane. So she's still there look at Venezuela Argentina they harbored key leaders who helped slaughter the Jews look at their economy today it's in total ruin May the 14th 2018 the U.S. embassy was moved to Tel Aviv to move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem where it belonged and in 2018 the U.S. economy grew at its fastest pace since 2005 Many Americans have no fear of the curse of God because we have never lived in it as a nation. We've always been blessed, and I encourage you as an American Christian tonight to make a stand for the Word of God and for what is biblically right. I encourage you to pray for our president. Pray for our Senate and our Congress. Contact the White House and let them know that you are a Christian and you support Israel and her right to exist as a nation. Be a watchman on the wall and speak out on her behalf. And Jesus said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I met with Rabbi Scheinberg and he made a statement in Washington, D.C. that I will never forget. He said, appeasement is surrender on an installment plan. And for us to appease the spirit of radical Islam is to slowly surrender our faith and our nation to our enemy. He then said, there are no political solutions to a theological conflict. The war that's taking place in the Middle East tonight will not be resolved in politics. It is a war against God. And when you can't kill God, you try to destroy the carriers of God's word, because He became the Word in flesh. So He hates us. And so tonight we have to see the war for what it really is. In Isaiah sixty-two one, and I'm closing. It says, "For Zion's sake I will not keep silent; for Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet, until her righteousness shines like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch." What can I do, Pastor Dan? Anybody like to help Israel? Anybody like to do something? Let me encourage you. I want to encourage you. Write this down. I want to encourage you to go to www.cufi.org. This is Pastor John Hagee's organization, Christians United for Israel. We're over 10 million strong right now. You say, what can I do? I don't know what I can do. You can go on there and you can join CUFI. It doesn't cost you anything. doesn't going to require anything of you. It makes you a voice. You know how your voice counts now? You know what happened when there was a demand from Washington, D.C. that called Israel to cease fire? You know what happened in Washington, D.C.? They got 10 million emails in two minutes. We shut down their computer system. We're Christians demanding their political figure, that you support Israel because we're voting really soon. And if you want to keep that seat in the next six months, next year, next vote, then there's 10 million of us, and we're voting really strong. So now your voice matters. And when it comes to issue, all we have to do is push a button, and however many that's joined, that's your voice. And it shows that you're from the state of Florida. It doesn't give your personal information. Don't worry. they ain't no radical Islamic coming to your front door, okay? Don't give any that out. It's just there's a voice. There's a voice in Florida telling our representatives, you better support Israel or we're coming after you. We're going to replace you real quick. And guess what? That's their money. They're going to listen. But here's another reason I want you to go there. And if you get in our small group, you'll hear some of this in a whole lot more detail. But they have a free ebook called why do christians support israel if you go to that website you go to their resources you can download that ebook free of charge and it's going to take you through 10 steps on why we as christians support israel and take you through a detailed study and it's free and it'll give you a great foundation to get with and get on before we get that small group with all 400 of us Y'all with me? So tonight we want to pray for Israel. We want to pray for the Palestinians that there will be a change of heart because you know before this war started there was a great revival taking place in the Middle East that Arabs and, and people in Islam were being converted at the highest numbers ever. And don't you think the enemy just wants to use this war to shut that down too? So we're not, we're not anti-Arab. We're not anti-anybody. We're simply saying we're not going to let the U.S. media and the anti-propaganda change the facts and distort the truth. And we're going to stand for the nation of Israel as a sovereign nation and a right to defend herself in whatever she has to do. So let's pray for her. Let's pray for Prime Minister Netanyahu. When Kathy and I were in the Bronx, New York, we were about to leave. We were there for three years, and they prayed over us. And a lady gave a word, and I'm not one of these people that looks for people giving you a word. You know, I'm real kind of careful about all that. I believe in it, the word of prophecy, the wisdom. She spoke a word, and she said, you will... Hold the poorest of the poor and you will sit at the table of the most powerful of the world. And little did Kathy and I know that he would send us to nations of the earth where I have held the poorest of the poor. In Cincinnati, Ohio, I was the only minister that went on a floor that was all AIDS patients and their babies that were born with AIDS. And I would go in there every week a day a week and spend a day holding AIDS babies and sitting by the bed of mothers dying of AIDS God allowed me that honor I've been in foreign countries holding the poorest of the poor and yet on that flight we just thought we were going to be in a room somewhere when Net- Prime Minister Netanyahu when they seated us at his oval office and his table it was Prime Minister Netanyahu my wife and me I don't know how she got there. She <laughs> don't let me forget that either. <laughs> Favor of God, yeah. It was. But God honored his word. And I'm saying to you tonight that as we stand, this is not just something to do. This is a biblical command of God. And when we honor it, God honors his promise to us. I want to ask you to stand. Thank you for letting me go over just a little bit. Has this helped, y'all? Has this brought any understanding of what's going on? And all I ask you to do is pray. We don't want you going out and start no protests and nothing like that. We want you to pray. We have, we have, uh, we're setting up organizations on college campuses. We see UFI all over the nation. We have CUFI chapters on college campuses standing up for Israel. Yes. Thank you. So all these protests are going on, there's prayer going on. So I want to challenge you to just pray and let's pray for Israel. Let's pray for these families. Let's pray for the Palestinians that that are losing families, too. They're crying, too. Let's pray this thing will come to a quick end. Let's just pray the God of justice will bring justice, and he knows the truth. So I want you to pray tonight. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as God tells us to do. If you take a minute. Just lift a hand to heaven tonight, if you're okay, and however you worship God. Father, tonight we just stand as a corporate, corporate church, a corporate people. Thanking you tonight, God, that God, somewhere in your grace, somewhere in your sovereignty, you saw us as sheep lost without a shepherd. We had no hope. We were eternally lost and damned. But you grafted us in. You would that none would perish but all would come to eternal life and you crafted us in, Father, to an eternal covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. and You created and brought us into a Judea faith that because of our Jewish brothers and sisters, Lord, we can come here tonight and worship and feel your presence and receive your love. And God, to just know that Father, we once were, but now we are. We've been bought with a price, and we're brand new in you. And tonight, Lord, it's all because of our Jewish brothers and sisters, Lord, that we can experience what we have in you tonight. So we pray for them right now. God, they feel so alone like the whole world is against them. God, will you let them know tonight that there's a church in America, in Pensacola, Florida, that's lifting up a voice tonight, Father, asking you to embrace every mother, every father, those that have lost, God, their family in such a tragic, Lord, since the slaughter. God, would you, Lord, you come, Father, and, and bring a healing that only you can bring, a hope that only you can bring, Lord. Father, will you come, Father, and speak into their hearts tonight? God, we pray for wisdom for Prime Minister Netanyahu, Lord, to just give him wisdom, Lord, and guidance, Father. God, we pray, Lord, for the Palestinian people. We pray over them right now, God. We, We ask, Lord, that, Father, you bring this war to an end. God, we pray, Father, that you bring it to an end, Lord. God, we don't want to see one more life lost, Lord. We don't want to see one more family suffer. God, we lift it all to you today. We know, God, that you're the God, Lord, who's organizing all. And Father, we know, Lord, that you're just moving pieces in place, God. We know, Father, that right now, God, nothing is taking place, God, that's not part of your perfect plan and will. We thank you, God, that you're an all-knowing and eternal God. And so, Father, we pray blessing. We pray blessing over our Jewish families, Lord, here in America. We pray covering over them right now, Father, Jewish students, Father, that are not even going to class right now because they fear for their life on college campuses. We pray covering over them right now, Father. We pray protection over them right now. We pray for Jewish communities, God, that are coming under a CAC right here in America, Lord, because of this war, Father. We pray covering protection over them. In Jesus' name, we ask you to do it, Father, and we thank you for it. I pray over this house. I pray over Transformation Church. I pray over Pastor Brad. I pray over Pastor Justin. I pray over Pastor Rick. I pray over their families. I pray over this house. I pray over family here, every family represented God, that, Father, you will cover us with your grace, that, Father, you will cover us with a covenant blessing, that you will cover us, Lord. In our rising up and lying down and our going out and our coming in, we are called blessed. Come on, somebody agree with me. We are called blessed. Can I get more agreement with me? We are called blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Come on, will you say that with me tonight? I'm blessed and I'm highly favored of the Lord. Will you declare it as a proclamation over you and your household? If your spouse is with you, just reach over and take their hand and lift it together and declare it out loud tonight. We are blessed. We're a holy favor of the Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. I'm going to leave you this, and we're going to let you go. Always remember this. We live in a temporal. We live for today. Anybody with me? Just want to know how today's going to go. We live in the temporal. We're teaching this in Pipeline. We live in the temporal. God always lives in the eternal. He said, before you saw one of your days, I've already seen all of them. None of this is called God by surprise. You know what he's doing? He's just putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. And everything in your Christian journey is based on a little piece of land called Israel. Everything from your birth and salvation to the coming of Jesus Christ is all based on a little piece of land called Israel and some people called the Jewish people of Israel. Everything in this Bible. You want to know what's happening in the time of the Bible? Look at Israel and it'll tell you. Join a small group in January and we're really going to tell you. We're up to 500 now, Rick. We're 500. Father, I pray blessing over my friends. What an honor. What an honor, Lord, as Pastor Brad says, to just be a part of this family, these amazing people. I pray blessing over them. I speak blessing over their household, over their children. I pray, God, in the end of this year and the beginning of the year to come, that we will see the hand of God move in lives of this church like we have never, ever seen before. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much for allowing us to go over. God bless you.